good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who stirs us away, calls us to this time and place of worship, and in his gracious ways makes his presence known to us in many ways. And through the word, through the presence of each of you here, we are blessed as the people of God. And I thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning, especially those guest visitors who may be with us. You bless us with your presence. And I would just remind you again that to your right or left, you will find a registration pad because it helps us to know of you sharing in worship as we gather this morning. As we gather, I hope you are mindful as well to opportunities for uh, faith development or uh, for service or gathering that are before us. As we move into this week, note especially on Tuesdays, uh, that is the opportunity for small groups to meet. First, for the ladies of the church at noon in the Uptown Ministry Center, they continue with the study of the bad girls of the Bible. Seven o'clock on Tuesday evenings, the study of living faithfully. Uh, we begin the book uh, in earnest this week, having gathered for a time of, of worship and orientation last week. So that will be Tuesday evening, seven o'clock in the fellowship hall. Related to that study of living faithfully, we will note that on Wednesday evening at seven o'clock, uh, there will be a live stream event originating at Reveille United Methodist Church in Richmond. We are a satellite host for that live stream event. So we will meet at seven o'clock in the Uptown Ministry Center. Uh, that live stream event is in regard to preparing for a special general conference next February in St. Louis. So there's the opportunity to submit questions, hoping for answers, uh, from Bishop Lewis and two of our delegates to that general conference session. Again, that'll speak to the United Methodist Church and its relationship to human sexuality. So again, all are invited to that event Wednesday evening, seven o'clock in the Uptown Ministry Center. Note as well the opportunity to uh, serve the church by way of the food bank and clothes closet through your uh, contributions. And again, we are in our second week of our stewardship campaign. We notice that as we look at our bulletins, uh, again, offering John Wesley's admonition to earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. So scripture will be before us speaking to that ministry of stewardship. And I invite us now to prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand. <clears throat> Let us start this service well by reminding ourselves that it is not we who chose Christ, that we are not here because of our goodness, that we are not here to enlighten ourselves, that we have not come to be served. invite us to go to God with the prayer that is before us, our opening prayer. Let us pray. O oh God, you broke down the barriers when you crept in beside us. In Jesus, your hands touched all and touched us. You opened our eyes to see how the hands of the rich were empty and the hearts of the poor were full. You took the widow's might and the child's loaves 
and use them to show us the kingdom. Here in the company of the neighbor whom we know and the stranger in our midst and the self from whom we turn, we ask to love as Jesus loved. Make this the place and time, good Lord, when heaven and earth become one and we in word and flesh know ourselves beloved. We share from the New Testament letter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And as we share these words, we see that very early within the life of the early Christian church, there was already guidance, instruction as to how to use those gifts that God entrusts to our care. First we pray. <clears throat> Lord, we are more blessed than we know. You love us more than we know. And as you speak to us this morning, help us to hear, to know, and to discover again the depth of your love for us, a love expressed in the gift of your Son, a love spoken as your word is proclaimed. Amen. As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God who richly furnishes us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good deeds, liberal and generous, thus laying up for themselves a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life which is life indeed. This is the word of our Lord. And we stand as we sing. and I'll invite our children to come forward as we share in our children's time. <coughs> Good morning. 
Did it rain at your place last night? <laughs> it did? Did it rain a lot? You slept through it? Okay, good. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of rain lately, so, you know, that's, uh, might get some more today, but we just, we take what God gives us. I've got something I'm going to share with you this morning, and uh, here you go. I'm going to give each of you this. There we go. Harris, Tally, there you go. Sally. And so what, what, what did I just give to you? A penny. So if I were to say to you, go out and, and spend that money and buy whatever you could with your penny, how much do you think you could buy? We got some nothing, you've got one thing. You don't, you don't think you would go out and buy something and come back with any change, do you? So this, this penny doesn't look like... Okay. Okay. Um, it seems like regardless of what we buy, we're not going to buy a whole lot, are we, with this one penny? It's just not going to go too far. It looks pretty, and it's got Abraham Lincoln and the Lincoln Memorial there, but it's, it's not going to buy too much. Well, I share this because we're going to hear, as we share some words of Jesus in just a few moments, Jesus tells about a, a widow who went to worship, and when it came time to give her offering, there was the offering box, and do you know what she put in that box? A penny. A penny. Now, there were other people there. There were some people with a lot of money, and they put a lot of money in that box. More than just a penny. More than just a penny. Like 100 million dollars. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but she just had a penny. But you know, of all the people that gave their offering, the widow and, and as well as those who gave much more than a penny, you know who Jesus blessed and who Jesus praised? This widow who just gave her penny. Because Jesus said that's all she had to give. She gave her very last penny, and she will be blessed for that. Now, you and I look at that and say, well, a penny is still a penny is still a penny, regardless but Jesus said, in, that, that's a display of how much she loves God. That's, that's a display of how much she loves Jesus. She gave everything she could. And that's why we're talking about her this morning. In fact, as we look at how much that, that woman gave, we, we even get some idea of how much God gave. Just as that woman gave everything she had, God looks at us and gives everything he has because that's how much God loves us. So even though this just looks like a penny, if we look at this with the eyes of faith and as we look at that within this worshiping community and as we hear God's word, we realize that sometimes a penny is, is much more than a penny. So I'm grateful to, to have Jesus' words and to have this reminder of how much God loves us that he gave everything for us. Let us pray and, and I'll ask you to repeat after me. We thank you, God, even for pennies because in your care, they accomplish much. We thank you that you've given us your own son. We thank you that you love us, and we pray that we love you. Amen. Thank you. And you, you keep your pennies. Thank you, Diane. Good morning, on behalf of the choir, I would like to invite you to follow along the text of this anthem. It'll appear on the PowerPoint, and when the words are written in red later on in the anthem, we're going to invite you to sing along with us. So uh, wait until the words appear in red, sing when the words 
as it comes to us from Mark, the 12th chapter, verses 41 through 44, we hear the word of God. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the multitude putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had her whole living. This is the word of our Lord. Were my mother still alive, we would be celebrating her 99th birthday today. My mother, who died in 2004, was a widow for 17 years, my dad having died in 1987. While my mother possessed more than a widow's might, or penny, it didn't seem to be much more than that. Regardless, she did not behave in a stingy or miserly manner with those few possessions in her care. I remember being out in our backyard late one day when I was a child. I was playing, she was tending to her flower bed. As she weeded and deadheaded and pruned, a neighbor family taking their evening walk stopped to talk. As they did so, they praised my mother's garden and her gardening skills. It was then I watched my mother in response to their gracious words, 
take her clippers and cut for this family a beautiful bouquet of flowers. Now this was a, a wonderful gesture of my mother, a gesture revealing much about the nature of her life and the way she lived. But I confess to you, I wondered at that time, why are you giving these people our prettiest flowers? You could just as easily have given them a, a bunch of your flowers, old and faded, some of the flowers the, the bugs have chewed on and those flowers missing a, a petal or two. We've, we've got a bunch of dandelions over here, or some, some weeds. Those people would have been just as grateful and, and, and you could carry that beautiful bouquet that you gave them into our home so that we could enjoy it. I know such sentiments don't flatter me. Still, there are sentiments I felt in regard to my mother's kindness on other occasions. I remember seeing her sitting at our phone table on many evenings. There she would be, phone to her ear. It did not matter to her that, that she had spent a long day at a local poultry processing plant to which she walked each day. She never learned to drive. And while at this poultry plant, she stood all day eviscerating chickens. Now, if you're not familiar with what it is to eviscerate a chicken, now's really not the time to get into that. You're welcome, sir. So after walking to and from work, regardless of weather, each day, after spending the day on her feet, eviscerating chickens, it's understandable that my mother would have enjoyed her evening resting or reading as she loved to do, or perhaps doing some, some sewing as she loved to do, rather than giving time and energy to some phone call. Still, I carry the image of my mother phone to her ear, talking little, listening much. To whom did she listen? Some lonely woman with whom she worked at the poultry plant, a woman to whom no one else would listen, or to a woman who lived up the street whose husband had recently died, or to someone from her woman's circle at church needing another volunteer or teacher, or to one of her sisters or one of her brothers. And I never saw any display of frustration or impatience never saw any fake emergency so as to free herself from the phone. Oh, I just remembered I left something on the stove. Again, just a, a patient gesture of listening and tending to whoever was on the other end of the phone. A wonderful woman, my mother. But perhaps not the most practical of women. Giving the best of our flowers to our neighbors, giving the best of her time to whoever calls her at the end of a long day of eviscerating. And it may be that this lack of practicality on the part of my mother is something that inhibits to a degree any praise we may wish to speak on her behalf. Because you and I give great value to the practice of practicality, don't we? To say about someone, she's a practical person, well, that's to speak words of praise. To say of someone, you know, he's really not very practical, well, that's to speak words unflattering. We hear the word impractical and other words, whether or not they should, come to mind. Wasteful, careless, imprudent, undisciplined, not words of flattery and not words we want associated with us and, and not traits we believe to be blessed. Now it's true, a, a classic song from 1962, I'm sure you all know, Jimmy Van Heusen, Sammy Kahn, is a song that may please us well and speak to the subject at hand, call me unpredictable, Tell me I'm impractical. Rainbows I'm inclined to pursue. Wonderful song, appealing to us. 
as it speaks to impracticality within music and song, that's wonderful, but within the life of the church in the course of our daily days, we don't want that impracticality. So practically speaking, we may wonder why Jesus looks upon this widow in the Gospel of Mark, praises her as he does. Is there anything blessed or, or practical in her behavior? This past week, I saw an item in the Washington Post with this headline. We've so overscheduled our kids that doctors are now prescribing playtime. We've so overscheduled our kids that doctors are now prescribing playtime. We read this article. Read news telling us the obvious, telling us information that should startle us but really doesn't, of how there's been a decline in recess at school, of how even free time is regulated and micromanaged, of how even games and toys must be educational, how such games are to give our children an edge over other children, so that our children may secure for themselves admission to the most prestigious of colleges before they're even potty trained. So why this article in the Post telling of doctors prescribing playtime? Because inclined as we are to be practical, we believe it important to make productive use of every moment of our children's time. We find it impractical simply to let children run and play with no agenda, with no concerns about time or outcome of what benefit is unscripted playtime of something so impractical. We could ask similar questions of this widow from the 12th chapter of Mark's Gospel, having so little by way of possessions, yet not even using this to her own benefit, so recklessly giving it away. Okay, now what? Not a very practical woman, not a woman of great foresight or planning. With our stewardship campaign of earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can before us, we notice this woman before us this morning is a woman who has earned little and is not even concerned with saving this. We see Jesus praise this woman for placing in the offering box her two coins, her penny. True, there were rich people who placed in this box large sums of money, yet this woman, by giving her penny, put in all she had, all she had to live on. Now it's true, at a certain level, we're moved by this story. Such an act of sacrifice impresses us. It may humble us. It may embarrass us as we consider our own giving habits. I understand, and, and I wouldn't challenge any of that. Still, though it may sound irreverent, I think it understandable to take a step back from this story to raise a hand, dare to ask, uh, wait a minute, are we so sure we want to bless this kind of behavior? Now before we shame someone for asking such a thing, might we at least consider other responses, practical responses to this widow's gift of her penny? I mean, for example, is her gift to the community of faith really going to make that much difference? I mean, really, how much is her penny going to help the people of God carry out their work? Because of her gift of a penny, are they going to be able to do more than they did before her gift? Hey, we got another penny here, folks. Let's look what we can do now. And as small as her gift of a penny is, might even this small amount not make a greater difference for her than for the community of faith. I mean, really, if we're interested in her welfare and in her future, 
might it not be more in her best interest to help this woman with some financial management? Would that not be the responsible, practical thing to do? Now these are reasonable and understandable questions. They're also questions about which the scripture seems not to care. Certainly not as much as we care. We know little about this woman, but we do know what Jesus sees in her. And we're reminded as we watch her, as we hear Jesus speak of her giving, that we who pride ourselves on practicality are troubled to realize faith is often so impractical. We may even be troubled to discover this widow with her reckless, impractical display of faith. She's not alone. Shortly after this act of faith on the part of this widow, Jesus, at the home of Simon the leper in the town of Bethany, is anointed by a woman, a woman, again, whose name we're not told, we are told this woman took an alabaster flask of ointment, of pure nard, perfume, very costly. And the woman broke this flask, poured this ointment over the head of Jesus. How practical is that? Of what benefit? So she has poured out this expensive ointment. Now what? It's not as if she can pour this back in the bottle and use it again. Are we not justified in looking upon this gesture and saying, as did others in that scripture, what a waste? If this is how we respond to this woman with the alabaster flask of expensive ointment, if this is the way we respond to a widow giving away her last penny, then how do we respond to the God who so recklessly gives us his only son? Yes, I feel the irony of lifting up John Wesley's instruction to save all you can, even as we worship and serve a God who did not save even his own son. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. You see, might it be that this widow giving her last penny receives the blessing of Jesus because Jesus sees much of himself in her. He gives until he has no more to give. It is even understandable we may ask of Jesus the question we ask of the widow, just how much difference is your gift going to make? Well, in a way, the answer to that question is, that's up to you and me, isn't it? It is an answer shaped by what we earn, what we save, what we give. It is an answer shaped by our response to the witness offered by a widow and a grateful woman who decides it's more important for her to worship Jesus with the best she can give than to keep it for herself. It is a response shaped by our response to a God who recklessly and extravagantly and at great risk gives his best until he can give no more. We do well as we consider our response to keep before us the words of John Wesley, the one still telling us to earn all we can, save all we can, give all we can. In his sermon titled, 
the use of money. Wesley brings to mind the faith of this widow and, if the, and of the woman with the alabaster flask. As he says, the possessor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world, not as an owner, but as a steward. As such, he entrusted you for a season with goods of various kinds, but the sole property of these still rests in him. As you yourself are not your own, but his, such is likewise all you enjoy. Such is your soul and your body, not your own, but God's, and so is your substance in particular. And he has told you in the most clear and express terms how you are to employ it for him in such a manner that it may all be a holy sacrifice acceptable through Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand as we affirm our faith, sharing a modern affirmation number 885. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is ever directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. ask uh, 
Ray Harm, our finance chair, to speak, but he, he called this morning, was not feeling well, and I don't think he's even a Hokey fan. <laughs> Sorry. That's true, he's not. Sorry, I just, you know. But uh, we do pray that Ray will feel better uh, quickly. Uh, I know he would have given a wonderful report. I'm hoping if you've not received his letter uh, and the giving card, uh, if you've not received those, you shall receive those shortly. And be attentive to, to the letter and to the card. Um, I know that Ray, as part of his letter, highlighted many of the ministries that we've wanted, wanted to highlight uh, throughout our worship this past year. And as I was looking at this moment and, and what I might say in Ray's stead, I was uh, considering taking another look at our bulletin. And to look at these events that are just scheduled for this coming week in particular, and playing with the idea of, if I was to assign a dollar value to each of these items, I wonder what that would be, and, and I don't know. But the point being, as we look at these ministries of small groups, of jams, of puppets, of choir, uh, of the uh, small groups, of the, the live stream, Thursday night of choir and choir practice, those don't happen for free. And they don't happen without our gifts. So I would invite you just to be curious and, and reminding that these ministries happen because we are attentive to earning, saving, and giving. As you consider your giving, I hope you will be attentive to this chart that you find on the back of the commitment card. Uh, it is a, a graph that I think is helpful and practical. Uh, you find your giving level as it is now, whether it's per week or per month. And, and if we're not tithing, if that's something we're not able to do at this point, there is that goal of tithing and, and the ways we can get there just step by step by maybe increasing our giving another percent or two percent. And as we do so, we see what those percentages are per week or per month. So much for us to consider because God has richly blessed us. Uh, and we are humbled and honored with the gifts of God and with that opportunity to worship and serve God by way of these gifts and by way of earning, saving, and giving. I'll invite our ushers to come forward. <coughs> Let us, let us pray. Lord, we thank you for faithful widows and faithful worshipers who give all they can. And we thank you for the opportunity to worship and to serve you and to remember your love for us. Accept these gifts, we pray, and in your care may they accomplish much for the gospel of Christ. Amen.
I invite us to go to God as we share in the prayers of the people, to share responsibly in this time of prayer. Our, uh, I will offer various petitions. Uh, our responses will differ slightly this morning, those responses before us, in that I will conclude each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy, open your hand, and I invite your response to pour out your spirit so that we may be filled. Again, there's the opportunity to speak those names or concerns you feel led to speak as we share in this time of prayer. And then we conclude with the prayer that Christ has taught us. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for those faithful witnesses who have gone before us. We thank you for those whose gifts have glorified you, whose gifts have inspired and challenged us and continue to do so. We thank you for the opportunity to worship and to serve you through our giving. And thank you that you are a God who trusts us with that which you have made, a God who has made us even in your own image so deep is your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you call us together as this community of faith. Because you are not finished with us, you still have much to say to us and so much to accomplish by way of us. So thank you, Lord, for the gift of your spirit that stirs us awake each morning, abides with us each day, reminding us of your presence and your promise to be with us always. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. And Lord, hear us as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. For James. Tommy Warren. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. For those still suffering from floodwaters in the Carolinas. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. For Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, ministries of the First Church, General Conference 2019. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand. And Lord, hear our prayers offered within the communion of your saints. 
those whose witness lives and endures and inspires and those whose voices are gathered with ours, praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Stand. that we conclude each time of worship as we carry the light of Christ into this world. In such a way, we witness to the light that has shined upon us in this time of worship and the light we are given to carry with us now and always as we go from this place. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.